Hi, everybody. I'm Rick Nelson, and welcome to PSYCOP Talks Winter Ops, the podcast devoted to all things winter maintenance. We're recording at the TRB annual meeting here in Washington, D.C., and it's always great to be able to reconnect with winter maintenance folks from all over the world and find out what's happening in their circles. One benefit of gatherings like this is the ability to sit down face-to-face and record an episode. Today, we're going to be talking to someone who's well-known in the winter maintenance community and no stranger to PSYCOP Talks Winter Ops, the president of the Professional Snowfighters Association, Wilf Nixon. Welcome back, Wilf. Thank you very much for having me again, Rick. Before we get started with today's topic, I want to take a minute to send a shout-out to the 30 or so state DOTs that contribute $4,000 each year to support the PSYCOP Technical Service Program. Without their support, we couldn't provide the technical services we do, like bringing you great conversations about winter maintenance and road weather, and guests like Wilf. This doesn't mean we wouldn't really like to welcome the other 20 or so states into the PSYCOP family. If you want to find out if your state is a PSYCOP member state this year, head over to the PSYCOP website at www.psycop.transportation.org and click on the Contributing States tab. Now, Wilf, you've worn several hats in winter maintenance over the years. Yep. Yes, indeed. <laughs> and we first crossed paths back in the early 90s when you were working on some strategic highway research program projects. We did indeed. We, we um, gosh, many years ago now, that dates both of us. But yes, we were uh, looking back then, I think there was a, a recognition and understanding that the rest of the world was doing things a little differently than we were in the U.S. There was a scan tour in the early 90s that showed that quite dramatically. And we were fortunate that at that time, the Strategic Highway Research Program was, um, I think it was coming to the end of its first iteration. Of course, we've had Sharp 2 since then. And the question arose about implementation. And I think you and I first really got down into the weeds on that whole issue of how are we going to implement this stuff? Mm -hmm. And... Um, that was a working group that was looking at implementing the findings that had come out on the winter maintenance side from Sharp. Of course, everyone else was looking at implementing their own stuff as well, which was good. Um, and so we had a chance to dig into that and really start uh, finding out how you can get all these wonderful new things that are going on to actually change for an agency. Uh, along the way, right about that same time, uh, we had one of the quadrennial uh, TRB winter maintenance meetings. Uh, that was in Sparks, Nevada. It was the second one. It was, yes. Yeah. And uh, you were very involved in organizing that, and I was able to attend. And one of the outshots of that meeting was actually the listserv that um, That's right. came and, and at that has, I mean, to begin with, it's it's done pretty well. It's now 24 years old, so. <laughs> well, you didn't have to bring up how old it really was. <laughs> I know. It means it can vote and it can buy a drink. And <laughs> <laughs> Well, and, and you know, um, for the listeners out there, the listserv is still alive and well. Yeah. There's about 750 
800 or so folks there, and it's an excellent way to communicate with other professionals yeah. uh, out there in the winter maintenance community. And it works It works very well, and it, 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 this issue of communication among the community, it's, it's, it's really it's a big one. It's not easy to do. Uh, we were talking at the TRB committee meeting just last night about the challenge of implementing uh, new research and how are we going to get that done and how are you going to let uh, not just the people who come to the meetings know, mm-hmm. but everybody else who is out there as well. Um, by some estimates, there are about 17,000 agencies in the U.S. that do winter maintenance, and that doesn't count the private side. So that's just cities and towns and counties and states. That's a lot of organizations. They all need the opportunity to learn new things. Right. How do we provide that? And and you had to... You spent the majority of your career there at the University of Iowa. Right. And, and that put you in a unique position to deal with a lot of those agencies through the APWA uh, path, yep. where I was over on the, on the state DOT path, and, and we sort of worked with the state DOTs. Right. And, and that's, um, you know, the APWA is, is a very diverse organization. It's got 30,000 members. Um, and probably 10,000 organizations, not all of which are interested in winter maintenance, but many of them are. And they, again, it's this, they have their, their annual meeting. It's not about research, but it is about training mm-hmm. and, uh, development, professional development. And so that's been something over about the last, well, it's probably getting close to a decade now. Uh, we've been working on a, a certificate for supervisors in winter maintenance that just is a one day fire, ho- fire hose training event. You know, mm-hmm. here's everything on winter maintenance and they sit down, they get soaked with information over a day. They go away and, uh, if they can act on one or two things that they heard that day, that's awesome. What we've seen, uh, Doing that training is a lot of people come back again and again and again to pick up another one or two things. And and that's a really useful uh, notion of, of how we learn, how we implement. You can't do everything all at once. None of us can do that. So uh, by some reckoning, one or two things that you can be working on and implementing change that's um, about the limit, really, for an organization with a particular task in mind. So, well, and it, and it takes a while to spin things up. You it know, does. it's like you, you come back with an idea, and, and it's it, it doesn't just happen next month. No, you know, it, it takes a while to uh, ferment and mature and and evolve. And and uh, you know, one of the things we've seen is is that as agencies implement new things it's probably about a five-year process to go from the hmm let's think about doing this to the let's run a pilot and screw up a few times to oops we screwed up how do we fix it to you know what this is our new way of doing things and we're quite comfortable with it right it's not as you say it's not hey 
it's all happened tomorrow. It's a long-term process. And agencies need, you know, every organization has turnover. If you lose a key person during that five-year period, what are you going to do? How do you pick that up again? And and that's a big challenge, I think. Well, and you know, when you're when you're trying to implement something, it, it seems like it always starts with with this champion, right? Yeah. And and they they're providing you know just all the energy to push things forward and move it forward. And uh, unless whatever you're trying to do reaches this this critical mass, you know, yeah. where, where it becomes mainstream, it becomes accepted. If the champion goes, then it's like you fall back down to this this ground zero again and you sort of have to build yourself back up. And I think a lot of ideas, a lot of implementation ideas die because the it they never really reach this critical mass. I think you're absolutely right. It's it's very it's challenging on the personnel side. Um you know, if someone has passion, um, passion is not necessarily a communicable situation or disease. <laughs> <laughs> in some well, in, circumstances, yeah. 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 Its community. yeah. <laughs> um, and creating, I mean, there are, there are several things out there. One, do you have an environment that is open to innovation, open to doing new things? And if we're honest, not every organization not every agency is um you know hey this worked for my father and my grandfather it'll work for me we all live that way to some degree it's like it's risk avoidance right it's like doing something new is risky it is and you know if it ain't broke don't fix it yeah and uh it's interesting that i think we're at a time today so fast forward you know 20 plus years Mm -hmm. um the, the notion that it ain't broke is being challenged. And we've seen this in a number of locations around the U.S. that there are real concerns about environmental impacts of what we do in winter maintenance, which is appropriate. We are in the maintenance community. One of our jobs is stewardship. You know, we are taking care of the highway infrastructure but there's a, uh, that's not our sole concern. The highways are in the environment, so we have to take care of the environment too. And all of that, there is a, a suggestion that in some parts of the country, our stewardship over time has not been all it might have been. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and and uh, that's made itself known in high levels of chlorides in lakes and rivers and streams and uh, in some cases in groundwater. That's problematic. It may not be currently um, exceeding EPA requirements in terms of how many parts per million or grams per liter or whatever it may be, but um, that doesn't mean that we can uh, sit back and say, well, we're clearly doing a good job because we haven't exceeded the limits yet. The trend is not our friend. Yeah. Uh, you know. Well, and, and, you know, on the, on the other side of that is the you know, expectations for mobility yeah. and safety are not going down. You know, no, they're ever not. increasing. Yeah. And so it, it's, you know, the, the maintenance manager is sort of caught in the middle of this thing, uh, because the, the tools that they traditionally use, 
uh, have issues, yeah. and the customers that they serve have greater and greater demands. So right. So it it, uh, it it really becomes puts puts them in the hot seat, so to say. It does, and and this notion that we can say, well, it ain't broke, so we don't need to fix it, for both those reasons, both the environmental concerns and the increased demands for safety and mobility are sending us the message, you know what? It may not be broke, but it may not be far away from being broke. Right. And do you want to be in charge of the fixing of it? Or do you want to have somebody else tell you how to fix right. it? And uh, my own preference in these things is I would much rather be in charge of it myself than oh, having sure. somebody else telling me or what sure. to do. C- controlling your own destiny is always the best uh, it's position a good to be in, right? Yes. Yeah. And, and that sort of brings us to to the, the topic we want to talk about today. Right. Which is the Professional Snow Fighters Association. Yep. So, um, yes, this is a new a non-profit trade association, and it uh, it arose out of um, well a a very sudden demise of an institution that had been around for more than a hundred years. Uh, at the end of March of 2019, the Salt Institute closed its doors. Uh, there was a uh, the the board of directors of the Salt Institute. Uh, made a decision that uh, it was no longer necessary to represent their interests. And that left a gap. Uh, the Salt Institute has or had for a good 30 years uh, pushed notions such as sensible salting, uh, excellence in storage, safe and sustainable snow fighting out to the winter maintenance community and those efforts have been very well received, and oh, and, and, and we leaned we leaned heavily on that material from the Salt Institute. Right. So that, I mean, there was there was shock and awe when <laughs> you woke up one morning and the website uh, returned a four o four error message. Right. <laughs> exactly. It was not good news, and um, it was one of those interesting things because the the Salt Institute existed. Um, to serve the needs of the salt-producing companies in North America. Now, one of those needs was educating the winter maintenance community on the appropriate use of road salt. Well, when the Salt Institute goes away, that job is no longer being done. And uh, as I woke up on that morning saying, oh my goodness, I no longer have a job, um, the opportunity to create a non-profit trade association that would be able to uh, pick up what the Salt Institute had done historically, but also do more things, to go beyond simply how salt plays a role in winter maintenance, to look at a much broader view of winter maintenance, uh, all the different aspects that go into it. It was an opportunity, you know, and and yes, it was definitely one of those cases where uh, Opportunity and crisis are the same thing, somewhat. Um, but we are now uh, officially a 501c6, which will mean nothing to almost all of us, other than it's a designation in the U.S. tax code that means we are a nonprofit. Um, we exist to create a community of practice in winter maintenance, and what that means is we are open to everyone who is 
involved in any way at all to become a member of the um, Professional Snowfighters Association. Specifically, I guess you could say we have three categories of membership. We have individuals, and uh, a number of individuals um, have been bullied and browbeaten by me to signing up, <laughs> yourself included. At a very reasonable cost. At a very reasonable that. cost, yes. <laughs> uh, we have agency members, uh, where it could be a state DOT, or it could be a city or a county or a township, whatever. Anyone uh, that as an entity does winter maintenance for the community can join up. And then we have um, business members, the vendor community. And uh, those three groups of people are, to my way of thinking, uh, a critical, each of them in their own way, critical components of the winter maintenance community of practice. You've got the doers. Uh, you've got the people who, for a variety of reasons, just have an interest in it. Uh, and then you have the vendors who are meant to assist the doers in the doing. Um, and a, a primary goal is to um, provide the opportunity for discussion between those groups to, uh, as we face this change in expectations, both from needing more mobility and more safety and doing it with a greater attention to detail when it comes to the environment, uh, what are the new solutions that are going to enable us to do that? Plus also, um, you know, there are all sorts of new technologies coming along that can change things pretty radically for us. Um, the automated vehicle, industry, for example, as it sits now, automated vehicles do at least part of their lane keeping by looking at the road markings and tracking those things as you, as the car drives itself down the road. Well, if those lane markings are covered in snow, um, it ain't going to work. Now, that doesn't mean that technology is all there is going to be. I'm sure there will be other things. But as it stands right now, uh, full implementation of automated vehicles is going to put a huge demand on winter maintenance services um, in order to function. No one wants to go down into their garage in the morning and uh, get in their car and have it say to them, I'm sorry, Rick, I just can't do that today. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it just doesn't work yeah. for people. I think one thing... You you know, you, you might have just, like, glossed over uh, when you mentioned that the, the Professional Snowfighters Association is this, this uh, nonprofit. Um, I think that really has or, or pre presents some very profound implications for agencies. And, and what I mean is when, for example, when the Salt Institute was out there, they, they represented industry, right? <clears throat> and there was always, uh, you know, I always felt as a, as a state DOT employee, a little uneasy cozying up to industry, right? And, right. and I think there's, there's still that concern out there among government agencies, you know, at, at the city, state, and local level that, um, I can't be seen to be too uh, arm in arm with industry, right? Right. There's there's a lot of of issues out there with procurements and and bidding and 
you know, there's folks have gone to jail, quite honestly. And, and the fact that you're a nonprofit and you represent the, the membership, which is in fact, like you say, one of the legs of that stool is, is the, the locals, the cities, the counties, the state, uh, professional snow fighters. Right. And, uh, that sort of changes the whole perspective or the point of view of things that the Professional Snow Fighters Association can do and the relationship that you can have with these units of government that do winter maintenance and, and the private folks that do winter maintenance too. I mean, yes. this, this is yeah. a, a, a sort of a holistic approach, if you will, to you know, everybody that has some responsibility for improving the infrastructure to provide mobility and safety during weather events. Right, it it does. It's you're quite right. There is a um, there's a tension, and in honesty, I think there should be. If you're in in the public sector, your interaction with the private sector there has to be an arm's length. Um, you know, otherwise you get cozying up and. And as you mentioned, you know, illegal activities, and none of us look good in orange. You know, it's, or, or orange with stripes. <laughs> or orange with stripes doesn't work. Um, so um, we, we have to consider creating a space. Um, you know, I hate to use the phrase, a safe space, where we can discuss these things um, in a... a, a a context that is not fraught with, oh my goodness, you know, I don't want to violate my procurement things. No, it's a trade association. And it's understood that we are discussing solutions for the end user who is ultimately the customer. How do we provide in the best possible way for the customer? And it's going to take clear expression of the challenges that comes from the public agencies or the private contractors. You know, we need to be able to do this, and right now it's difficult to do this. And the opportunity for the vendors to say, hmm, well, that's interesting because we have something that'll do that, and it's not quite this, but maybe we can take that and make this, and then is there a way in which... Let's be honest, if I'm a private sector person, uh, one of my jobs is making a profit. <laughs> so can I provide you with a solution that also allows me to make a profit? Um, all of those things have to come together. And I, I think over the years I have seen that there is not or there has not been a... Uh, a forum where that happened easily mm -hmm. uh, because there are these concerns and uh, yeah we can come to the transportation research board meeting and yes there are private side folks here but there's always the sense that they're the sort of outsider at the table yeah now that's improved substantially over the last 20 years i would say but there's still a gap uh, well, and, and, you know, you brought up uh, last night in the discussion, you know, they've got all these antitrust issues that they've got to wrestle with. So, so yeah. they, they have pressures on their side that, that sort of prevent this open and free exchange and in, in this, this safe space, if you will. Right. And, and they do have to think in terms of maintaining their competitive 
advantage, you know. Um, but I, one of the things I would like to see us being able to do uh, is help through the trade association to improve our implementation process. Um, you and I have served on a number of NCHRP panels and they've put out great reports and the reports tell us in, in sometimes excruciating detail exactly what they did and exactly what they found. And uh, without intending to diss them too much, uh, many of them are wonderful cures for insomnia. Uh, and as a result, their, their fate is very often to be put on a shelf and, right. oh, yes, I've got that report. How do we translate that into action? One of the things we do, uh, we create one-pages where we go into a report, like, for example, the recent NCHRP performance measurement report on winter maintenance, and try and extract some key points and turn them into a single page of information, mm-hmm. some bullet points, a graph, something like that, that can go on one sheet of paper, two sides, get laminated, go on the break room table if you want, mm-hmm. or gives a busy public works director the opportunity to say, oh, so that's what they're talking about, and then say, wow, I need to know more about this, or, nah, not right now. You mm-hmm. know, I have other things because there are only two changes at a time you can make. That's you know, right. we can't do them all. I can't do it now. I'll put it in the later box. Maybe we can get around to that. So that's, I think, one key thing we can do um, where we take a a research report or we take some research findings, uh, good stuff, but often not very accessible, and we try and make it more accessible. So we create a one-pager, literally two sides of a sheet of paper, with some bullet points, maybe a graph, maybe a photograph, uh, maybe a diagram, and put that, you know, that's available then to our members. So uh, an example would be the recent NCHRP report on uh, performance measurement in winter maintenance. Great stuff in there, but it's a big report. Mm -hmm. How do you as a busy busy, uh, public works director have time to go through that? You don't. But if it's a one-pager that says, you know, here are some of the things that you can look into in this report, then you may have time to go through that and say, oh, that's what they meant. Oh, yeah, this is something we need to know more about. Or it might be, oh, yeah, that's very interesting, but we're not going to do that right now because we have other things on our plate, but I can come back to it later. It captures that information. Now, then you dig deeper. And so we don't just have one one-pager for that, for example. I think we're up to seven or eight now mm-hmm. where we're pulling out key points. You know, what are you measuring? Why are you measuring it? How are you measuring it? Each of those, it's designed to be quick and easy to dig into, to see what's there. And then if you need to, you can go further. You can even go back to the report. That's where the base information is after all. But it's designed to make it much easier for um, the end user of that new research 
to get into the process. So mm-hmm. we, we have a number of those now. I don't think we're quite up to 100 yet, but we're getting close on those. So that's a number one uh, product that mm-hmm. we have. Um, I would suspect with your uh, robust background in education and adult education uh, at the university and through APWA right. that there's some training component involved as well. There is. Um, we are, uh, we've done a, a couple of one-day workshops where uh, we like to, you know, you, no one wants to put on a workshop and nobody came. Right. So we work with local organizations. We, in Chicago, we worked with the local Chicago chapter of APWA. In Boston, we worked with another, uh, local, um, association, transportation association they have up there and put on a one day program where we bring in speakers to address the needs that are local. Um, one of the things they wanted to know about in New England was ice storms. It was something they'd been hit with in the previous winter, and they hadn't had a great deal of experience with them. Well, you know, we know folk who can talk about those things, who've dealt with them, so it's easy for us to bring them in and, mm-hmm. and make all that happen. Um, in We also, in New England, we found ourselves getting a nutritionist to speak to them. Y'all, uh, you're out there on a 12-hour shift overnight. Mm-hmm. What should you eat and what shouldn't you eat? <laughs> <laughs> you mean that bag of pretzels might not be the most healthy choice? Uh, possibly not. <laughs> you know, and, and I, that, was, that was absolutely fascinating. I mean, we had 220-plus people in the room there, at least half of whom were operators, and they are asking, you know, very, very focused questions about, well, what about nuts? And I'm going, oh, nuts, they're good. No, they're not good. <laughs> and, and you know, the inevitable. So, yeah, not not on my shift, but can I have a beer on the weekend? And that led to an interesting discussion. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, so, yes, there is a training component. Uh, the other thing, we're in the process of finalizing the um, an online self-assessment tool for agencies uh, to examine their operations in the context of sustainable practices. Now, this was something you and I and others uh, mm-hmm. did a paper on, actually, seven or eight years right. ago. And some of that got folded into one of the Salt Institute's award programs. And we've now uh, put this as an online tool. The goal, it's a two-part goal. First, an agency needs to be able to take a look at what they're doing and see where, to borrow Lee Smithson's phrase, the low-hanging fruit right. is. Okay. Well, you can't do that unless you, you're looking at what have we already achieved, what still remains. And then they can decide which of those areas it's appropriate for them to put effort into. Because as, as we said, you can't do everything all at once. One or two things, take a look at them. And this is, this gets interesting because what's right for an agency in New England to focus on is not going to be what an agency in Chicago or in Colorado or in Nevada or in Alaska should focus on. Everyone has different needs and uh, different foci 
things they've got to pay attention to to be sustainable because sustainability is fundamentally a local thing. Mm -hmm. It has to reflect, you know, and we've discussed this at length, the needs of the community that's being served. And so we're not trying to say this is what you should be doing. What we're trying to say is these are things that are being done, Mm -hmm. some of which may make sense for you to do. Have a look. Use it as a way of tracking where you are now. And we we would like our member agencies to use these on a regular basis to say, yeah, we're making progress and we're going to focus on this area for the coming year. Or, you know, we're not, we're deliberately not going to do this because the pieces aren't in place for us to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we um, talk about... Can you use emergency planning in your winter maintenance? Okay. Uh, and some places do that and do so very effectively and do tabletop exercises and all of these things. Well, you've got to have all the infrastructure of your emergency management system in place to be able to do that. If you don't, don't worry about it. You know, do yeah, something start else. Your time, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and, and I think that's going to be a very useful tool for agencies. Um, our current thinking is that we can view that somewhat along the lines of a lead certification program. Uh, although hopefully at zero cost instead of the rather high cost right. that lead implies, um, and allow our agencies to, you know, apply for an award should they feel that's what they want to do. Um, that can be very helpful for agencies in terms of saying to um, their power structure, depending on how political it may be, we're doing this. A trade association is recognizing what we are doing as being successful right. and an important step forward. Well, and that's that's like the sustainable salting awards and the you know the good storage awards and, exactly. and things like that. It's it's like through that recognition. Um, you know, it's and it's not like as an agency you want to sort of collect trophies, but, right? But through that recognition, it's it's like my peers have recognized that we are, you know, we're doing good things. You know, yes. we're 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 uh, moving in the right direction, and and I think those those awards and and recognition are important, and and it holds them up as an example. Yes, you know, something uh, you know, a target to shoot for, something to to try to achieve. And and I see another. Um long-term benefit in this inevitably the first time you put this together it reflects primarily one person's thinking (laughs) here's what wealth thinks should go on the list uh over time we will have uh, members helping to review what's on the list and say well you've done well in this but what about that Mm -hmm. and if we feel you know collectively as a membership that yes that should be in there well we put it in and so over time this becomes not it's not frozen in time it's something that can move and reflect advances that we make in the field and uh, become uh, a living tool for uh, agencies to use so we see that as as being part of it the other thing and this um surprise me greatly and please me immensely um, 
One of our jobs is going to be to help take issues raised by the membership and bring them to a, a larger forum. Mm -hmm. So one of our members approached me and we had a long discussion and we are continuing that discussion on this whole issue of uh, the negative impacts of the working conditions for plow drivers on their health, uh, both short-term and long-term. Things like sleep deprivation issues, dietary issues. So we're now um, moving that forward. I don't know if we'll be successful, but we're at least looking at trying to get a synthesis in that area. Uh, we are beginning to get speakers in who can talk about those things. It's, it's resonating. Mm -hmm. um, as I put stuff out there through a variety of forums with a, a column in the APWA reporter, you're getting, I, I'm getting emails from people saying, oh yes, we need, we need something done on this. Um, because we've seen, and, and again, it's not everywhere and it's not every winter, but if you have a situation where your folks are plowing snow, 67 days straight right as i know has happened in you know we we've documented that or even only 30 days straight that has a measured impact on your well-being you know pulling 12 hour stretches for 30 plus days in a row that's not healthy right and we need to find ways of addressing that there are solutions out there um they're not necessarily possible for every agency, um, but uh, there are some things out there. And, and I, I think, um, you know, the solutions that are out there have tended to be bottom-up solutions that the operators themselves have said, hey, look, boss, this is an issue. And, and mm -hmm. they've been lucky enough to have an enlightened boss who said, you know what, you're right. How are we going to fix it? Right. And not saying, you know what? You're right. Here's the solution. No, that's a top down thing, but much more. And they've come up with some workable solutions on shifts and things yeah. like that. Not going to work for everybody, but it works. You know, and that's good. So to sort of, sort of summarize, you've got the uh, one pagers. Yep. <clears throat> you've got uh, training. Yep. You've got awards. Yep. Uh, you've got these uh, special advocacy advocacy projects exactly yeah. um what else is in it for me if i choose to join the the professional snow fighters association well you get a really cool patch that right. you can <laughs> you get the t-shirt right yeah yeah pretty much um i right now that's about it long term we want to uh, grow to meet our members' needs. Mm -hmm. If we are going to be a community of practice, what does that mean for our membership? Do they want us to have actual in-person meetings? Possibly. Do they want uh, webinars or blogs or, or you know, uh, podcasts or whatever it may be? We will try a variety of things. Mm -hmm. You know, um, we're going to Try obviously the simpler things first. The low hanging fruit, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, and, and build up. Uh, I don't want to put on a meeting and not have anybody come because that wasn't what they needed. Yeah. You know, that doesn't, that doesn't advance anything for anyone. Um, but, uh, you know, the more we can try things that are simple to do and find out what the needs of the membership are, 
the better we will be. Uh, we'll be honest, we are, it's challenging to find the best way to get information to people. Yeah. Uh, you've, you've struggled with this. Um, and particularly in, in the maintenance field, I know all, all our members are busy. Mm-hmm. Okay. It doesn't matter if they're working for an agency, they're an individual, they're in academia, they're in private industry. They're busy. I don't want to flood their inbox with emails. Right. But when we have something new on the website, I want them to know about it. So we're, we're looking at a variety of things. It might be that texting mm-hmm. is more efficient than sending out emails. Um, we're looking at Twitter and Facebook and all these other things, you know, and it's, it's not going to be an either or thing. I, th- right. I think it's going to be a both and. But what we want to do is what's the best way of letting you know? Um, and I don't want to flood people's inboxes. Yeah. I mean, we all have more than enough stuff in there. And I know what happens. You know what happens. Yeah, it's like you gloss over it, and then you start power deleting, right? Exactly. Delete, 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 delete. Yeah. Oh, well, wait a second. What was that? I got to go yeah. back. <laughs> oh, hell. Back in the trash again. <laughs> yes. And, and uh, yeah. how, do, how do we, you know, it's for the 30 seconds of their attention that I might get, what's going to be the most value to them in that? And what gets that to them? I, you know, yeah, I can text people, but if you're in the middle of a meeting and you get a text, it's going to be, oh, I'll get to that later. And we all know what that means. Right. It means I won't get to it at all. You know, um, but we would like to be in a situation where if that's how we're communicating with people, they say, oh, I'll get to that later. And they do. They do. Yeah. Because there is value in it for them. So the, the goal is very much value for our members. It, it has to be. We have no option on that. Otherwise, uh, we won't work. If we don't provide value, then we, we shouldn't be in existence. Yeah. Yeah. So there's three levels of membership. Yes. There's the individual membership. Yes. There's the agency membership. Yeah. And there's the business membership. Yes. How do I be a member? How do you be a member? You, you go to our website which is professionalsnowfightersassociation.org. It's very long. (laughs) And uh, there'll be a, um, we've got a tab, join up or sign up, or uh, it might be members. Uh, I I looked, but, you know, I'm at an age where memory is an iffy thing. Um, (laughs) It'll be obvious, right? It will be obvious, and you'll get the option to sign up. Um, And in full uh, disclosure... For an individual member, it's $25 a year. Which is very reasonable. It is. Uh, it, you know, both you and I have recently received invoices from other professional associations that are much larger. <laughs> uh, agencies, it's $500 a year. But that allows you to have anyone in your agency, if you get them signed into our system, they can access everything on the website. So it's not just one person being an agency, it's everyone. And then for businesses, it's $3,500 a year. And they get the same thing. Anyone in their business that they get signed Mm -hmm. into the system uh, joins and and can fully access things. And 
Um, you know, we, uh, a word of warning for anyone who joins, we tend to go out to our members and ask them to write articles for our monthly newsletter because hearing an undiluted stream of wealth is not good for anybody's health and well-being. So <laughs> it's, it's much more important. Again, you know, no one person has all the answers. But if we are a community of practice, uh, we can be raising the questions. Right. <laughs> and somebody out there knows the answers. So that's what we're doing. Yeah. Well, Wilf, thanks so much for sitting down with me this morning and, and talking about the Professional Snow Fighters Association. We'll, we'll put links uh, to, to your email, to the, to the association's website in our show notes so folks can find their way to you. Awesome. And, Thank you. And with that, uh, again, thanks for, for sitting down and sharing with uh, our listeners uh, here at PSYCOP Talks Winter Ops all about the Professional Snow Fighters Association. Well, thank you very much for having me, Rick. I greatly appreciate it. And uh, thank you also for being a member of the PSA. So. <laughs> Absolutely. It was like as soon as I found out, uh, I was signed me up. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> so for that, thanks uh, to all of our listeners uh, being out there and, and uh, joining in in this conversation. Until next time, be safe. <laughs>